Welcome to The Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And yes, I am back in Boise after some adventures and misadventures where I learned the important life lesson, don't try to fly out of Orlando on an early morning flight unless you're TSA pre-check. Enough said about that. I do want to let you know, if you've not already, I do encourage you to check out my ebooks. All I needed to know, I learned from Columbo, and all I needed to know, I learned from Dragnet. Each of these contains the careers and histories of seven great fictional detectives and policemen, as well as life lessons that can be learned from them. You can find them wherever fine ebooks are sold, or as an audiobook through Audible.com or the Apple Store. Well, now it is time for this week's episode of Mr. Chameleon. The original air date, April 6, 1949, and the title is The Lost Bride Murder Case. Next, Mr. Chameleon and the Lost Bride Murder Case. Tonight, we again present the famous Mr. Chameleon of Central Headquarters in his most famous cases of crime and murder, brought to you by the makers of genuine Bayer Aspirin. Mr. Chameleon, as you all know, is the famous and dreaded detective of Central Police Headquarters who frequently uses a disguise or impersonation to confuse the criminals he is tracking down. In tonight's case, he appears in a particularly clever disguise which the audience will at all times recognize. Tonight, we give you Mr. Chameleon in The Lost Bride Murder Case. At most weddings, it is the groom who is nervous and restless. And Jack Emmett is no exception to the rule. And as he waits in the vestry of a small New York church, he says to the Reverend Dr. White, who is with him, I don't understand it, Dr. White. I really don't. Jane should have been here over half an hour ago. Well, perhaps she was delayed for some reason, Mr. Emmett. And you know how girls are. It takes them hours to dress. And when a young girl is dressing for her own wedding... But Jane is usually so prompt. Do you suppose there could have been an accident? If she took a taxi coming over here to the church... Why don't you phone her? Use that telephone there. Call her hotel and see just when she left. Thanks. I think I'd better. As I say, Dr. White, she's usually so prompt. That's one of the things I love about Jane, her consideration for others. Oh, hello? Is this the Ardsley Hotel? Will you please ring Miss Jane Baker's room? What? What was that? No. 
Mr. Emmett, what's the matter? What's the matter? Dr. White, Jane... Jane was found in her room. Murdered. And now, in a pleasant room at the Arsley Hotel, Mr. Chameleon, the great detective, is kneeling beside the body of the frail, lovely girl who was Jane Baker. And he is saying to Detective Sergeant Dave Arnold... Stabbed through the heart, Dave. Not once, but several times. Tremendous emotional fury behind this killing. Such a pretty girl, too, Mr. Chameleon. Yes. Well, what'd you find out? Did she have any boyfriends? Yes, several of them. And she'd hinted that she intended to get married this week. Who had access to this room? All the maids in the hotel have passkeys. And the manager says one of them, a woman named Ada Cassidy, was fired recently on Jane Baker's complaint. She said Ada had gone through her desk and her bureau drawers. Find out where the maid Ada lives and bring her in. Oh, Dave, wait a minute. Come in. Yes? Where is she? Where is Jane? They tell me she's dead. Who are you? Oh, I'm Jack Emmett. We were going to be married today. Oh, Jane. Jane, my darling. My poor darling. Uh, Jack, Jack. Take it easy. I'm Chameleon of Central Headquarters. Oh, then it's... it's true. I didn't dream it. Jane was murdered. She was killed two hours ago. When did you last see her? Late last night. We made final arrangements for our wedding today. We were going to be married quietly. Jane has no family, neither have I. I waited for her at the church, and she never came. She never came. None of her bags are packed. Where were you going on honeymoon? Oh, to Crescent Beach in Georgia. A lot of people could have gotten into this hotel room. The stairway, I noticed, doesn't come down into the lobby, but into a hallway just back of the lobby. So the killer might have descended those stairs unnoticed. Jack... Who do you think might have murdered your fiancé? Morris Newton. I warned Jane against him. I told her he was violent. Who is Morris Newton? Another shooter of Jane Baker's? Yes, Mr. Chameleon. For a long while, she couldn't make up her mind between us. She was half afraid of Morris. He was always insanely jealous. Where does he live? Um, on 10th Street. Dave? Yes, Mr. Chameleon. Pick up this Morris Newton. Bring him here when you bring in that hotel maid, Ada Cassidy. Yes, sir, Mr. Chameleon. Now, uh, what about this Newton, Jack? You say uh, Jane Baker couldn't choose between you? Um, she was afraid to, Mr. Chameleon. You see, all of us worked in the same office. Day associates, public mm -hmm. relations advisors. Well, only a few evenings ago, Mr. Chameleon, when I was bringing Jane home after the theater. Yes. Well, please try to tell me, Jack. Remember the girl that you were to marry has been murdered. I'll remember. Don't worry. We were... Walking along the street, my arm through hers, when suddenly she stopped and faced me. She said, Jack, darling, I, I have something to tell you, something which breaks my heart. Oh, what, dear? I'm going to marry Morris Newton. Jane, you're not serious. Sweetheart, look at me. Don't you love me anymore? Yes, I love you, Jack. And yet you're going to marry Morris? I can't help it. He told me he'd kill himself if I turned him down. I told him I didn't love him, but he said, unless I marry him, he'll kill himself. Well, he won't, Jane. This is perfectly awful to threaten you like that, to frighten you into marrying him. I've been desperate, and I'm afraid. Morris is so violent. Oh, sweetheart, listen to me. Morris won't kill himself. 
And if I'm the one you love... You are, Jack. Then marry me, Jane. And I'll take care of Morris. A man who threatens suicide is capable of anything. You're not going to marry a man like that. Jane agreed, Mr. Chameleon. We made our plans to be married. I thought I could protect her against Morris Newton. But, well, I didn't think of this. I, I didn't think he'd murder Jane. Well, it's always a shock to discover that a fellow human being is a murderer. And I agree with you, Jack. A man who is capable of threatening suicide may be capable of anything, even murder. Morris Newton is here, Mr. Chameleon. We've located him and brought him here. Bring him in, Detective Sergeant Arnold. Mr. Chameleon, are you accusing me of having murdered Jane Baker? Is that why your strong-armed men dragged me over here? Morris Newton, you were brought here by two officers of the law because Jane Baker was murdered at 11 o'clock this morning. Where were you at that time? I won't answer these questions. Oh, yes, you will. Where were you? I was home, asleep. The office is closed today. And you were still sleeping peacefully at 11 o'clock in the morning when someone walked into this room and stabbed Jane Baker to death. Stop saying that. I can't take much more of this. I loved Jane. She loved me. We were going to be married. When? Next week. That seems, um, quite odd. Since she intended to marry Jack Emmett this morning. What are you talking about? Jane agreed to marry me. Because you threatened suicide. I threatened suicide? Who told you such a lie? Did Jack Emmett? If he did, I'll break his neck. Stay where you are. You are not breaking anyone's neck, Newton. Oh, are you on his side, too? Why do people always like Jack? Why did Jane ever consider marrying him? And little Marcia, even she was taken in. Who's Marcia? Friend of Jane's? No, another girl who works at the office. She was crazy about Jack. Well, no wonder you're so jealous of Jack Emmett. What does uh, this girl Marcia look like? She's small and dark, with large gray eyes. And I'm not jealous. I had no reason to be jealous of Jack. I was the one Jane intended to marry. Mr. Newton, the Reverend Dr. White tells me otherwise. He was to perform the wedding ceremony this morning between Jack and Jane. This morning? No, it's not so. It's a trick, a dirty cop's trick. That's enough, Morris Newton. Don't get violent with me. I'll admit I tricked you into revealing your temper, and it's a very bad one, isn't it? Murderous temper. It may have gotten you into a great deal of trouble. Mr. Chameleon? Yes, what is it, Dave? Ada Cassidy is outside. You know, the hotel maid who was fired because she went through Jane Baker's things? Send her in, Dave. Morris Newton, you may go, but don't try to leave town. You haven't got anything on me. Except, as I say, that you have a deadly temper. Come on, Newton. Miss Cassidy? Yes, sir. Would you sit down, Miss Cassidy? I'm chameleon of Central Police Headquarters. I want to ask you a few questions about Miss Jane Baker. Oh, sir, I don't know anything about Miss Baker. Believe me, I didn't kill her. I swear I didn't kill her. You were a maid at this hotel and you had a passkey to her room. I turned it in. You did not. When you were discharged the other day, you took the passkey with you. The hotel manager was trying to get it back, he tells me. Well, I took it by mistake, Mr. Chameleon. I was going to send it back. And I didn't go through Miss Baker's desk or, or through her bureau drawers. Well, then who did? I don't know. Miss Cassidy, this is murder that we're dealing with. Since you had access to that room, you are under suspicion, too. I didn't kill her. I didn't even go through her room. Well, then who did? I, the young lady. She gave me $10. I let her into Miss Baker's room, and 
I promised her I'd never tell. I lost my job. But since I had another one to go to, well, I, I kept quiet about her. Why did she want to get into Jane Baker's room? I don't know. What was her name? She didn't tell me. She said she was a friend of Miss Baker's. Was she small and dark with large gray eyes? Yeah. How did you know? I have heard about this young lady. Her name is Marsha Lewis. Dave? Dave? Yes, Mr. Chameleon. Send out an alarm for Marsha Lewis immediately. Uh, pick her up and bring her in here as quickly as possible. Okay, Mr. Chameleon, and then what? We will take a run down to the marriage license bureau. Where? I am wondering whether it's possible this murdered girl, Jane Baker, could have been promising two boys she'd married them. And all the time getting ready to run off with a third one, Mr. Chameleon? Let's be on our way, Dave, to the marriage license bureau. Later that day, at the Marriage License Bureau, we find Mr. Chameleon and Detective Sergeant Dave Arnold waiting. Well, I wish that clerk would hurry, Dave. I guess it takes time to look through those marriage license files. Seems to take time to find Marsha Lewis, too, Dave. What do you make of it, Mr. Chameleon? Why should that Marsha Lewis dame suddenly pack up and leave the room where she's been staying? No forwarding address, either. Elementary, my dear Dave. She doesn't want anyone to know where she is. What about her job? She works in the same office with Jack Emmett and Morris Newton. Well, the office is closed today, Saturday. My guess is, Dave, that when it opens, Marsha Lewis will not be there. Could be guilt, panic, any number of things. Oh, here comes the managed license clerk. Well, and in luck? Uh, yes, Mr. Comedian. This is very interesting. Uh -huh. I looked in the files, as you suggested, and two marriage licenses were taken out just last week. On both of them, I found Jane Baker's name. One was taken out by Jack Emmett. And one was taken out by Morris Newton. Exactly. That young lady couldn't make up her mind which man she wanted to marry. Yes, apparently. Though there may be more to it than meets the eye. May I see those marriage licenses, yes, please? Yes, here they are, Mr. Comedian. Yeah. Oh, excuse me, there's a young lady over there waiting to speak to me. Yes, go right ahead. Well, Dave, here are the two signatures. Jack Emmett, Morris Newton. Uh-huh. Let's look at the dates. You know, Mr. Chameleon, uh, there's you something... The clerk here? Yes, ma'am. Can you give me some information? Well, I think so, young lady. What do you want to know? Can you tell me if Morris Newton and Jack Emmett took out marriage licenses? Dave, did you hear yes, that? They did. And the girl, well, look at her. Small and dark with gray eyes. Yes. Marsha oh, Lewis. Well, because... They... Are you Marsha Lewis? Why, you... No. I, I mean... You mean yes, Miss Lewis. I am Chameleon of Central Police Headquarters. And we've been looking all over for you. We want to question you in connection with Jane Burke Baker's murder. Mr. Chameleon, you have no right to bring me here to police headquarters to question me like this. I don't know anything about Jane's death. But you admit, do you not, Marsha Lewis, that you bribed the hotel maid to let you into Jane's room? Yes. Yes, that was foolish of me, but I, I wanted to know what Jane intended to do about Jack. Either she hadn't made up her mind or she wouldn't tell me. And you found out that she intended to marry Jack Emmett. You found evidence in her room. No, I didn't. I found nothing. Not even a letter from Marion. Marion? Who's she? Marion Long. She was Jane's best friend. She moved out to Detroit about a year ago. I thought maybe Jane had at least confided in Marion. It meant a great deal to you, didn't it, Marsha, to get at the truth? Why? And why did you go to the marriage license bureau? Because... Because I was curious, that's all. I was curious. And in love with Jack Emmett. 
and insanely jealous of Jane. That's not true. I'm not the least bit in love with Jack. No? All right, Dave. Send him in. Right, Mr. Chameleon. Come on in, young fella. Jack! Hello, Marsha. Oh, Jack. Jack, tell them I couldn't have murdered Jane. My dear, you're the only one who knows about that. You... You don't mean that you think I could have killed her? Marsha, I don't know who killed her, but someone did. And it looks very bad for Morris Newton and you, Marsha Lewis. But worse for Morris, Mr. McChameleon, because Morris loved Jane. Marsha and I simply worked in the same office. Is that all your friendship amounted to, Marsha Lewis? Yes, Mr. Chameleon. I liked Jack very much, but he never encouraged me. I was simply jealous of Jane because everyone liked her and... No one notices me. Sometimes... Some... I can't stand it. I can't stand it any longer. I don't want to go on living. I don't want to go on living. Mr. Comedian, she's going for that window. Let me go. Let me go. No, Marshal Lewis. You're not going to jump out of that window. That is too easy a way out. Whether you're guilty or innocent, you have got to stay here and face the consequences, whatever they may be. Mr. Chameleon and the Lost Bride murder case continues in just a moment. The two most important kinds of relief to anyone suffering from ordinary headache, neuritic, or neuralgic pain are fast relief and gentle, dependable relief. And genuine Bayer aspirin gives you both. It's amazingly fast because it's ready to go to work in two seconds. And it's completely dependable because its single active ingredient is so gentle to the system Mothers give it even to small children on their doctor's advice. Add to this Bayer Aspirin's record of use by millions of normal people without ill effect, a record no other pain reliever can match. And it's easy to see why Bayer Aspirin is one thing you can take with utmost confidence. So don't experiment with drugs that have not stood the test of time. For fast relief and for the dependable relief that's important to your health, do as millions do, use Bayer Aspirin. When you buy, ask for it by its full name, Bayer Aspirin, not just for aspirin alone. Get the 100-tablet bottle and you get Bayer Aspirin tablets for less than a penny apiece. And now back to Mr. Chameleon and the Lost Bride murder case. The brutal stabbing of Jane Baker on her wedding day is a strange mystery which Mr. Chameleon, the famous detective, is trying to unravel. And we find him now in the office of the commissioner of police, who is saying... Well, Chameleon, I see the newspapers are beginning to ride you on the Jane Baker case. Listen to this headline. Rather neat, I think. Chameleon still lost in the lost bride murder case. Well, if they're so clever, why don't they solve it, Commissioner? Oh, another thing, Chameleon. That girl you're looking for in Detroit, Marion Long, the friend of Jane Baker's? Yes, what about him? She never made any attempt to leave town. Been at her office every day. Didn't expect her to skip. All I said is that I want to talk to her long distance. Well, she'll be on any second now. Good. Hello? Oh, just a minute. Here she is, Chameleon. Thank you. Hello? Uh, you're Miss Marion Long? Good. I have only one question to ask you. Uh, have you any of the letters Jane Baker wrote you in the last six weeks? All of them. Splendid. I'll have an officer call by and get them from you. And he'll mail them on to me. Thank you, Miss Long. You... What? Yes, we will get your friend's murderer. Don't worry, my dear. What's all that, Chameleon? Well, maybe the newspapers will tell you, Commissioner. 
uh, which gives me an idea. An idea? When the newspapers start writing me for not having anything on this case, it means they haven't been able to get anything on it themselves. Don't let them annoy you, Chameleon. Believe me, they have got plenty of reporters on the job talking to everybody. What they need and are going to get is a new reporter. Oh, I follow. And you are the new reporter, eh, Chameleon? In the disguise of a fresh reporter from the Daily Mail. That's the uh, paper that's so clever about what I am not doing on this case. Yeah, that's it, the Daily Mail. Well, in a few hours, I will ring Morris Newton's bell and introduce myself as a Daily Mail reporter. Ted Loft, by name. And some hours later, we find Chameleon in his disguise as Ted Loft, the newspaper reporter, whistling loudly as he stands with his finger on Morris Newton's bell. Until the door opens and Chameleon speaks in the voice of Ted. Hi, Mr. Newton. Uh, Mr. Morris Newton? Yes, who are you? What's the idea of trying to break my Take door? Take it now? easy, Mr. Newton. Uh, now, uh, how about asking me to step inside? Suppose you tell me who you are first. Uh, Loft is the name. Ted Loft of the Daily Mail. Another newspaper reporter? Well, I've got nothing to say to you. Oh, come on, Mr. Newton. Uh, you're mixed up in a murder, uh, the murder of Jane Baker... I understand, in fact, you're one of the chief suspects. Now, look here, Mr. Loft. In the interest of truth, I'd like to hear your side of the story and publish that story in the Daily Mail. Your telephone's ringing. I'm not deaf, Mr. Loft, and I've nothing to say to the Daily Mail. Hello. Speaking. Oh, hello, Marsha. Marsha, look, I, I'm not free to talk to you. Call me back in half an hour, or, or I'll call you. Goodbye. Uh, was that Marsha Lewis? She's a, su a suspect too, isn't she, Mr. Newton? Come on. Why not tell me your side of the story? Because I have nothing to say to the newspapers. Please leave me alone. Sorry, Mr. Newton, but my paper pays me not to leave you alone. Now, that girl, Jane Baker, was murdered on her wedding day, and you... Will you get out of here? I'm warning you, Mr. Loft. Get out before you get hurt. Okay, okay. You know, uh, Mr. Newton, that uh, temper of yours may get you into trouble, if it hasn't already. And still in the disguise of Ted Loft, the newspaper man, Mr. Chameleon pays a visit to Jack Emmett's apartment. And we find him now, after half an hour of conversation with Jack, speaking in the voice of Ted Loft. Mr. Emmett, I must say you've been very cooperative. A lot of people I know would have thrown me out. Mr. Loft, I realize you're a reporter. You have to make a living just like all the rest of us. Well, I'm glad that somebody understands that. I hope I haven't been rough on you. After all, you had a pretty terrible wedding day. Yes. Yes, I... I still can't believe Jane is dead. Is uh, this a picture uh, on your dresser? Oh, no, that's my sister. This is Jane's picture here. Nice-looking girls, both of them. Thank you again, Mr. Emmett, for the interview. You've been very decent. Not at all. If publicity will help find the killer, I'll talk to you reporters as often as you please. That's the spirit. Goodbye, Sam. Goodbye, Mr. Law. Very cooperative. Very cooperative indeed. Entirely different from Modest Newton's attitude. Mr. Chameleon? What? Dave, what are you doing here? I've been waiting for you. I knew you had an appointment with Jack Emmett. The letters came in from Jane Baker's friend in Detroit. I thought you might want them. Yes, I certainly do. Let me have them. Any luck with Jack Emmett and Morris Newton? I had a most illuminating talk with both of them. The light is beginning to shine into the dark corners, Dave. After I go through these letters, I may be ready to move in. On the killer.
And now, a few hours later, in his office at Central Headquarters, Mr. Comedian is facing the three persons involved in the murder case. And he is saying... Jack Emmett, Marshal Lewis, Morris Newton. I sent for you all to come down to my office because at last I have news which I think should interest all of you. About Jane's murder? Mr. Comedian... You mean you found the murderer? Well, thank heavens for that. Yes, Jack. You uh, see my motto up there over my desk? The innocent must be protected, the guilty must be punished. I am finally in a position to punish the guilty one. And who is guilty, Mr. Chameleon? Who murdered Jane Baker? A person who had the heartless criminal intelligence to plan that murder and carry it out. I have always felt that cold-blooded planning went into it, quite aside from the murderous passion that drove the knife into Jane's body. If you mean me... I don't mean you, Marsha. You were jealous of Jane, yes, but you bungled constantly. You acted always on impulse. When you bribed the hotel maid to let you into Jane's room, when you stupidly ran away after Jane's death, whoever killed Jane got out of that hotel without being seen. You never would have managed it. You would have lost your nerve. Mr. Comedian, why not come right out and make an accusation? Can't you take it, Morris? No, I can't. I want to know what you're up to. That is exactly what I mean. You're too emotional, too excitable. You can't hide anything. When Marshal Lewis phoned you this afternoon, you weren't even shrewd enough not to mention her name. This afternoon? But you weren't there when Marsha phoned me. Yes, I was, Mr. Newton. You thought I was Ted Laft, a reporter. You you were that reporter in disguise? Mr. Comedian, then, then you came to my place, too. That's right, Jack. Well, that's amazing. It was a wonderful disguise. You're the one who's amazing, Jack. Now we've seen you in action. Uh, seen, seen me in action? Your capacity for keeping your nerve at all times. Mr. Comedian... When I was in your apartment this afternoon, in my wonderful disguise, as you put it, you know what I saw there. A picture of Marsha Lewis. A picture which you calmly declared was your sister. I was trying to protect Marsha. Don't give me that. You were being cautious, even with a man that you didn't think you knew. And what does that prove? That your brain works with devilish calmness at all times. And didn't you tell me that you hardly knew Marsha? She was just an office acquaintance. Yet that was her photograph in your room. Because I was trying to protect Marsha. I've been afraid all along it was she who murdered Jane... Didn't she try to kill herself just the other day? Yes, because for the first time she saw you clearly. She saw you for the cold-blooded murderer you are. So now it comes out. You think I murdered Jane? I'm sure of it, Jack Emmett. Jack! Keep out of this, Morris. You think I murdered Jane on our wedding day, Mr. Comedian? On the day she was to have made me the happiest man in the world? No, Jack, that was not your wedding day. Not really. Jane had told you she intended to marry Morris. That whole business of nervous waiting at the church with the minister was an act. You had already killed Jane two hours before. No, no. There was one thing you overlooked. Her bags in her hotel room. I noticed that she hadn't even started to pack her bags. Yet she supposedly was leaving on her honeymoon. Like so many criminals, Jack Emmett, you made one fatal slip. You're lying. And furthermore, you tried to put the blame for your crime on Morris Newton, the man Jane really loved. You're lying. Jane intended to marry me, and you can't prove otherwise. Oh, yes, I can. Do you see this letter? Jane wrote it to her friend in Detroit, telling her she intended to marry Morris Newton, and it's dated the night before Jane was murdered. She says in this letter that she had already broken the news to you. Okay. Okay, you win, chameleon. But you haven't got me yet, Marsha. Get in front of me. Jack, put that gun away. Jack, what are you doing? Going to use you as a shield, Marsha. He hopes to make his escape. He knows that I won't dare fire at him as long as you are protecting him. Jack! Don't move or I'll shoot. Marsha, 
I can't tell you what to do. You have loved him, I know. But remember, he's a killer. He won't hesitate to sacrifice you if he has to. <laughs> Don't try to pull away, Marcia. Stay right here in front of me. No, I won't do it. I won't let you get out of here. Marcia! Oh, oh, my hand. Chameleon, you shot me. Sorry, Jack Emmett. Had to make you drop that gun. Marcia, that was very brave of you to step aside like that. Not only did you help me get my murderer, but you freed yourself at last from a love that could only have brought you tragedy. And with these words, Mr. Chameleon concludes tonight's murder case. Next time an ordinary headache threatens to spoil your plans, get fast relief by taking Bayer aspirin. You'll be amazed at how quickly Bayer aspirin works. And the reason is that it starts to disintegrate within two seconds after you take it. To see for yourself that this is true, just drop a Bayer aspirin tablet in a glass of water and watch what happens. Before it reaches the bottom of the glass, it will begin to disintegrate. It does the same in your stomach, hence brings relief with astonishing speed. Yes, and Bayer aspirin is dependable too. Its record of use by millions of normal people without ill effect is a record no other pain reliever can match. When you buy, ask for it by name, Bayer aspirin, not just for aspirin alone. Get the 100-tablet bottle and you get Bayer aspirin tablets for less than a penny apiece. Listen next Wednesday night at this same time for Mr. Chameleon, the man of many faces in The Amazing Thomas and Blifton Murder Case. The part of Mr. Chameleon is played by Carl Swenson with dialogue by Marie Balmer from the original story by Frank and Ann Hummert. Music directed by Victor Arden. Your announcer is Howard Claney. Listen, everybody. Thousands of laboratory tests on scores of individual teeth show that new lion's toothpaste actually gets teeth brighter. Two and a half to five and a half times brighter than any of the five leading brands. Brighter by far than any other toothpaste. And the reason is that it's not just another old toothpaste with an added ingredient, but is completely new and radically different in formula. A new kind of toothpaste that cleans without soap and polishes without chalk. So get more brightness in your smile. Go to any drug or toilet goods counter and ask for Lion's Toothpaste. Listen for Mr. Chameleon in The Amazing Thomas and Blifton Murder Case next Wednesday night at this time. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Well, I didn't think the murderer was all that clever in this story, but I thought the way Chameleon psychologically sized up the suspects made sense. The only problem is that, as this was Mr. Chameleon, the portrayal of each character ended up very, very broad, and therefore a bit 
one-dimensional, maybe even more so than usual. I also did note that the motto made a comeback. It hadn't been in a few episodes. And of course, I've heard some later episodes where the motto has been phased out. Well, now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and we turn to YouTube. And we start with Cutbert, who writes, Mr. Chameleon is hokey, but addictive listening. An apt description. And then Shari uh, comments regarding the woman's weapon murder case. Love the discussion after the show. Lol, very entertaining. Well, thank you so much, Shari. And I loved having Andrew and Vinny and Ron all on the podcast uh, talking. It's really fun to talk about an episode of an old-time radio program with other people. Actually talking about old-time radio episodes and what I liked and didn't like is really the big highlight, and I love hearing from uh, listeners about their thoughts, but there's something about having folks on the phone talking about the same show that's really delightful. And I really hope we continue to have those sort of crossovers with other podcasters and um, working on some things uh, for the months ahead. We won't quite have three people on at once in addition to me, but we are going to have some fun stuff coming up for you that I'm sure you won't want to miss. Well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. I want to go ahead and thank Garrick. Garrick has been one of our Patreon supporters since January 2018, currently supporting the podcast at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Garrick. And that will do it for today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And if you're enjoying the podcast on YouTube, like this video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. We'll be back next Thursday with another episode of Mr. Chameleon, but join us back here tomorrow for the conclusion of the Imperfect Alibi Matter, where... Well, the night before last... The night of the murder. Yes. I'd been out to a show. I got home about 11.30. Go on. I saw Helen Barrett walking toward Mr. Stone's apartment. What? You sure about the time? Well, not right down to the second, of course, but I am positive it was within five minutes of 11.30. I see. Well, why did you wait until this morning to tell us this? Well, I... Come on, let's have it, Miss Winters. Well, naturally, no one likes to get mixed up in things like this. I didn't want to make trouble for anybody. Helen Barrett always seemed like a, a nice person. But Mr. Stone was my employer and my friend. And after thinking it over, I, I could see what my duty was. You say Harvey Stone was your friend. Was he anything more than that? I don't think I know what you mean, Mr. Dollar. I think you do. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.